RadioInfluence.com. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. Welcome into the Sunday edition of the MMA Report podcast. I am Jason Floyd. This is the interview edition of the show. And I have got six interviews for you here on this episode of the podcast. Five of those interviews will be with Fires, going to be a part of Bellator 290, which takes place there in 13 days, February the 4th. Of course, main card live on CBS, as you're going to hear the conversations that I had with the former Bellator Bantamweight champion, Darion Caldwell. I had a chance to uh, catch up with Darion. It'll be his first fight in 13 months. And I uh, had a really interesting conversation with Darion talking about kind of, uh, you know, basically what he's been working on the last 13 months. Then you're going to hear from one of his teammates down there at Killcliffe FC, Steve Mallory, of course, the heavyweight fighter. Of course, he had that matchup last year. Uh, unfortunately, a uh, fight was stopped when he was poking the eye, unable to continue. So talk to Steve about that matchup also part of the conversation was about whether or not he would fight his teammate linton vassell then you're going to hear from chris gonzalez the lightweight prospect there in belts will be his first matchup since uh being unsuccessful against usman nirmaga made also spoke to him about that also you're going to hear from two men that are going to be fighting each other and this was a matchup that was supposed to take place back in november it was uh, delayed due to a medical issue on the jaylon bates side of the equation but you'll hear my conversations with jornel lugo and jaylon bates two up and coming 135ers and uh and i've brought up in both of the conversation I had with them. Maybe this is not going to be the only time uh, we see those guys potentially fight each other before their careers are over. And then the final interview you're going to hear is going to be with a man who's going to be fighting next Sunday at Fury FC. He got a chance to get to know him on last year's contender series because he took on Bo Nickel. That's Zach Borrega. I had a chance to talk to Zach about uh, what has been going on with him since that matchup and also his preparations for the matchup here at Fury FC next Sunday. Of course, you can watch that event live on UFC Fight Pass. Of course, last night was UFC 283. Uh, Initially, I was going to go out on the town, go out with some people to watch the fights. However, ended up watching the fights at home, an enjoyable night of fights from uh, the opening fight all the way to the main event. And, uh, man, I give a lot of kudos to Jamal Hill, what he was able to go out there and do, and particularly what he was able to do in terms of the grappling where, you know, I, I put this note on my Twitter, is the fact of, you know, his last fight, Tiago Santos took him down six times in 20 attempts, and then he goes out there and he stops nearly all of the takedown attempts by Glover Share and Glover Share announcing that uh, he is going to hang up the gloves, one of the two fighters to hang up their gloves. Of course, the other being Shogun Hua. Now, a couple of things, and of course, myself and Daniel, when we get the midweek edition of podcast, we'll talk more about UFC 283, but there was uh, a couple of tweets that I wanted to bring up. There's actually uh, three tweets, uh, two that are related to UFC 283 and one that is not related to UFC 283. It's actually related to Bellator. The first tweet I'm going to bring up is a tweet that came out before the fights even started, and that was Eric Nixick, the head coach there at Extreme Couture in Vegas, and 
I'll just read you what he said. If you're a fighter and you have a manager telling you what coach and gym you should train at, the first question you should ask is, how is this directly benefiting my manager with the hmm emoji and then using the hashtag backdoor deals? And I will tell you, right when I saw this tweet, I knew exactly what he was talking about. I knew who this tweet was referring to. It was referring to Bram Moreno. And it was referring to his manager, Jason House. And uh, clearly, Eric Nixick and Jason House are not, uh, they're clearly not on speaking terms. But the one thing I did find interesting about this was one of the people who quoted that tweet is the action man, Chris Curtis. And Chris Curtis says, The more you know kids. Now, here's what makes that very interesting. And unless something has happened, Chris Curtis is managed by Jason House. So uh, kind of a little, you know, there, there obviously there is a backstory to that one. But uh, when you're kind of, you kind of know the way things kind of work. Uh, when I saw that tweet from Eric Nixick, I was like, okay, all right. I see, I see where you're going there, Eric Nixick. Uh, but uh, that was an interesting tweet. Uh, another, uh, this, this came over via Instagram after fights were over. And it's a Instagram post from Laura Murphy. And, all of us who sat there and were watching her fight against Jessica Andrade, I think we all had the same thought process after the second round. Will the corner stop this fight? And of course, the corner did not stop the fight. Um, you know, I saw various fighters saying, man, you know, you, you, you live the fight on another day. But Lauren Murphy said this on Instagram. Okay, so basically every minute I've been spent in Rio, besides these 15 minutes right here, have been fantastic. The fight was a beatdown, but not the way I imagined it. Sometimes shit goes down, and you got to learn from it and get better. Jessica is an insanely tough opponent, and I will learn a lot from her. All of these experiences, the good ones and the bad ones, make me a better athlete and human. Thankfully, I'm all good. Nose is a little busted up and my head needs rest, but I'll be fine in a few days. I'm glad my corner didn't stop the fight. To be honest, I thought the ref was going to stop it in the second round, but the bell rang before he decided to. Either way, I was grateful for the chance to keep fighting. My head and nose will heal with rest and my heart will heal with time. My adult life has been a dream and sometimes I have to pay for that dream. I'll be back sometime, but for now, I'm just going to lick my wounds and rest up a bit. Thanks, Rio, for a wonderful stay and to the UFC for an amazing trip and Jessica Andrade for the fight. And, you know, look, it's never good on a UFC broadcast when you have a, a fighter or a former fighter, in this case, Paul Felder and Daniel Cormier asking for someone to stop the fight. And I tweeted about it after, during the fight was going on. It's like, let's just be honest about it. This is MMA. The odds of someone throwing in the towel is just not likely. It's just, it's, it's the culture we have in MMA, but that was a tough one to watch. I mean, look, and it was tough watching Glover taking the beat down that he taken, especially after that fourth round. And then the, the corner dynamic in the fourth round were, John Hackleman, a longtime coach of Glover Teixeira, was not the, the head corner, was just one of the cornermen where apparently he wanted the fight to stop. He wanted the fight to get over, but he's overruled. And then, I mean, look, Glover nearly has the Hail Mary in the fifth round, gets a fight right to the ground. But you know, Jamal Hill, you know, look, everyone questioned his 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 grappling, and boy, did he prove us all wrong. Now, the other tweet that I want to bring up before I get into the interviews, and it is related to Bellator, and this this tweet was sent to me in my Twitter mentions on Friday. 
And it was a tweet from Vada, which said, why do, why do Bellator fighters not demand out of competition testing through PDT testing if they want clean, fair fights? Why does Showtime Sports not care? Drug use contributes to loss, injury, and CTE. Hashtag protect fighters. And, of course, uh, the person that put this in my timeline was basically noting what I reported at some point last year when Kat Zingano was making her claims about Chris Cyborg, and I let I just told you what I knew. The fact that Chris Cyborg has been drug tested in competition and out of competition while she's been in Bellator. And this is what I tweeted in response to what Vada said. And their tweet was back on, on January 11th. They've done this before. This isn't the first time Vada's done it. They've done it before. And I tweeted this. I said, for those who are not aware, out-of-competition drug testing has been taking place in Bellator. For example, all the fighters in the Bantamweight Grand Prix semifinals were tested out of competition prior to the December card in Connecticut. And I know that Sabatello... Stott and Patchy Mix were all tested multiple times. And I know Magomedov was at least tested once, maybe twice. And But this is the thing I'll say about this tweet from Vada. You have to look at this and say, is there a motive with what this tweet was? Was there something they are trying to accomplish? Are they trying to accomplish to become the USADA for Bellator like USADA is for the UFC? Look, drug testing is happening in Bellator, but it's not happening at the level of the UFC. It's 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 not happening in, in the PFL. Bellator and the PFL, they rely on the commissions that are regulating their events to handle the drug testing. And it just it makes sense for Bellator and the PFL to do it that way. Look, would I love to see Bellator and PFL have a drug testing program like the UFC to make sure that we are playing on on a level and clean platform? Of course so. But I just I think from the financial side, I don't think it makes a ton of sense. But the fact is, and I know that the reality is, is that I think for a lot of people, they just don't understand the amount of drug testing that is happening in Bellator, but there is a decent amount of drug testing that is happening. The reason you don't hear about it is because fighters are testing clean, but you know, the Vada thing to me is nothing more than you have to understand they do. They have a motive. That's the first thing. What, what are they trying to do? And, you know, it's like I look at some of the quoted tweets for this tweet, and uh, this was from uh, W, it's, it's at now WMMA. It goes, remember when Kat Zingano mentioned extra testing and Cyborg freaked out on her? First off, Cyborg has always said she is open to as much drug testing as everyone wants to do. That's the reality of the situation, but... People, people selectively hear what they want to hear. And Vada, look, Vada knows the drug testing that's going on. Trust me. They know the drug testing. There was a motive with that tweet. Don't kid yourself. You know, they, they want to be an independent drug tester for Bellator. That's the reality of it. They want to get a contract and make money off Bellator. Let's, let's just call it what it is. But I saw that tweet and it just, it's one of those things that just makes me shake my head. But let's get into the interviews. I've got six interviews for you. Up first, you're going to hear my five Bellator interviews. First up, you'll hear from Darren Caldwell. 
Then you will hear from Steve Mowry. Then it will be Chris Gonzalez, Jornel Lugo, and finally the final belt interview with Jalen Bates. And then the last interview will be with the Mansco fighting next Sunday at Fury FC, Zach Borrega. Joining me now here on the Amerit Report is a man I've had a chance to talk to plenty of times in the past, and he's got a fight coming up here at Bellator 290, Darion Caldwell. You know, Darion, when I was uh, when Bellator hit me up, and I said, yeah, let's get Darion on the show, and, and I started looking, I was like, damn, it's been, uh, almost, it'll be over a year by the time you've stepped inside competition. Uh, so what, what's been going on, man? Chilling, man. Really just grinding, 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 you know? Um I'd say these these 13 months, I had to strip myself mentally um, to build myself back up. Okay. Um, I feel like my 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 brain was filled with a bunch of that I didn't need or that wasn't working for me, so I just had to strip myself completely, you know. And I and then had to give up control, you know. And, and, and what I mean by that is giving up control and things that I cannot control, you know? And so for me, this last year, I've been really just focusing on that, right? Um, little wins, winning, winning the small battles, and, and focus on and stand in control on what I can control, Right. And yeah. so that's all this year has been, strip myself mentally, focus on what I can control, and that's my effort, how hard I come in here and work every morning, showing up, you know, um, and, and, and it's not about coming in here and outdoing my training partner, right? I'm not in here to outdo my guys or, you know, I'm not here to outdo myself, you know? It's, it's a... It's a battle of me versus me, and I and I lost that battle for a while, you know, and I and and so this year has really been I've been training to fight myself, you know, I've been training to fight myself, uh, put myself in all the hardest positions that I can, in the most dominate dominating positions that I can as well, um, to make sure I won't have the same. Um, last couple of years, same outcome like I did the last few years, you know. Like I, I'm like what you said there is something I, I talk about all the time is like, you know, like no matter what someone does in business, like I, I think sometimes we stress about the stuff we can't control. Like I'm in I'm in the restaurant business and obviously reviews are, are such a huge thing. But like all we can control is is what we do. We can't control what, what someone writes and, and I'm sure you, you deal with that all the time of, of people who, who write and say things, but like when you talk about that mental side of kind of breaking everything down is that the first time you've had to do that in your career? Actually, yeah. Um, and it's not the first time I had to do it in my life, but it's the first time I had to do it in my MMA career, you know? Um, and it's really easy to shy away from that, you know, to feel like, all right, I'm going to take a little bit of what they're saying and what they're saying and what they're saying, you know, or what they're doing it. You know, and that's not what got me here. You know, what got me here is being true to myself, being true to my craft, you know, and trying to push people around me to be better, you know, um, being selfless, you know, because it's not just about me, you know. Um, and I, I realized that, like, this, these last 13 months, truly, 
you know, that I am a veteran. Like I do have a, I'm 35 years old, right? I got these, I got kids that, that at, here at the gym that'll be like, you know, I watched you when I was like in high school or I was like, and I'm just like, damn, you know? So I play a different role right now, you know? And, and, and the selfishness just isn't allowed, you know, whether it's inside the gym or outside the gym in my life, you know, um, being outward focused and, and really just, I really feel happy there in that place, you know, um, and I feel strong in that place. Um, it's, it's not about me, you know, uh, I'm a, it's about just giving everything up, you know, giving up control and, and just sometimes you got to follow the lead, you know, sometimes you got to follow the lead and leaders do that. You, you know, you talk about, you know, being that guy that's that's been in this game for a long time. You got those young hunger guys, you know, I, I was looking at this earlier, you know, because I was like, I was like, man, how long's Darion been in Bellator? And, and I was like, I was like, it hasn't been 10 years. And I looked at it'll be nine years coming come March. But like, are, have you got to that stage in training where like you have to tell some of these young bucks like, hey, hold on, guys, we're not having a fight here, here in the trade room. Let's let's not beat ourselves up. I mean, but like at 22, 23 years old, you, you probably had that mentality. Absolutely. You know, I try to do a little less complaining, right? And, and not tell them what, what to do and what not to do, as opposed to just try to be, show, like, just try to be that, you know? So if I feel a guy swinging so hard or, like, trying to outdo me or something, I'll, I'll just let it be, you know, okay. in hopes that they understand themselves, you know, because we got to figure out things ourselves on this road, you know? And so we can get a guy who will come in here, after 10 years of, you know, fighting and they don't have the ability to stop that, that nervous twitch, you know? So it's always going to be a hard round with them, right? Some guys you get that learn it in three years, you know, how to just calm down and relax, you know? So it's all, all a learning curve, you know? You got to treat each person as they are, you know, not everybody's the same. So um, it's definitely not chess out here, right? Chess, we all got the same pieces, yeah. right? We all don't have the same pieces, right? So I got to be um, a little bit more open in my approach with each guy, you know? And this this fight come up here in, in a couple of weeks, it's a, a unique situation because both of you, your last opponent was the same fighter in Enrique Barzola. Like, did you do a comparison and contrast in terms of kind of what your mindset was for you heading in that matchup and then, you know, kind of evaluating Nikita and, and how he attacked Barzola? Well, I, I didn't even. I, so what I know about Nikita is I know he fought on the card that I fought on before I seen him. He, His guy was in my room. The guy he was fighting was coming to my uh, room. We were working out and stuff like that. He, you know, he again, one of the kids that – like, hey, you! I watched you when I was like in eighth or sixth grade. I'm like, damn, I'm like, damn. You're like, so we were working out that week. I seen him fight. I didn't really watch it too much. I know he got finished or whatever, but I seen the kid that week. I seen him floating around with uh, Fedor's team, um, and then I got the call that I was gonna fight Nikita. Um, I watched one fight. It was somewhere else. It wasn't even a, a Barzola fight. I didn't know that he had even fought him at the time. Then I found out we had a common opponent in Barzola, and I'm just like, oh, shit, I'm going backwards. This is not okay. So in my mind, I'm going backwards, and that's not where I need to be, you know. Um, but it's all good, you know. I'm here now. Let's control what we can control, you know. And what I can control is 
you know, the effort that I'm going to give February 4th, you know. And February 4th, I think you're going to see a completely different fighter that you've seen in, a, in these last few outs, outings, you know. Uh, as for Nikita, I don't, I don't really know uh, his approach. I just know he's going to come to fight, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, like, in, in a perfect world, like, none of these guys could even uh, even be in the same cage with me, but uh, it's not. So uh, it just it just it just sucks for Nikita that he's gonna have to deal with all of this all this pain that I've been going through um, on February fourth. He's gonna have to get it. You know, they talk about in, in athletics, you know, focus and, and mindset, and, and I feel like hearing what you're saying is to me, it sounds like look, the, the focus is, is on you. It's not about, I mean, obviously your, your, your coaches are aware with what Nikita does. Hey, you know, here, here's a tendencies. He does this, does that. But like, it sounds like just what you're saying is that the focus is all about you. It, it's not really about Nikita. Oh, absolutely. So for a while I was doing something. I'm, I was, I was up at 35 or 45. I was 35. I was, I was doing something for a little bit, you know, now, now it's, it's, I'm, I'm 100% focused. You know, the goal is to be the best version of me. And I've, I know the best version of me um, is sitting with a belt around his waist, um, hanging up in a, on a banner. So um, that's, that's all the effort I'm going to give. Like, I mean, you, you obviously, we, we all know what your goal is. You know, the goal is to get that strap back. Like, how... What do you think that road looks like for you? Do, do you think it's a quick road because of you being a former champion that maybe it only takes two wins to, to get there? Well, why not? I hear there, there's, a, there's a dog around town barking up the wrong tree talking about he's coming down to 35, right? So when I beat this kid, Nikita, who else is there to fight? Do I fight who? But anybody... I don't see there's no fight for me but Pitbull after this fight. You know, like he wants to come down to 35. I'm a former champion. Mm-hmm. Who else to introduce him to the weight class, right? February 4th, I'm going to go show why I'm next in line for a title fight. If he wants to come down, he can fight me and we'll fight for the title. Mm-hmm. Just make it happen like that. So I'm just, I'm just putting in the work. So my time is going to come. What's your thoughts on, on Stotts right now as a champion, obviously coming off that win against Sabatello, as you look ahead of, you know, potentially maybe that's a guy you have to fight for the title at some point. What's your thoughts on him as what that potential fight could look like for you? Stotts is good, you know. I think he's got a lot of good tools, but I don't think he's tough. I don't think he's strong enough for me. I think he's a little bit too – like, I feel like he just like a – like, he's just not that – when it comes to everybody else in the field, he might have, you know. But when it comes to me, we're talking levels, you know. And I think, you know, as much as these guys don't want to admit it, you know, they won't call me out. Guys don't want to fight me, you know, whether it be a Stotts or it be a Archuleta or it be a, um, it's a guy, uh, Patchy Mix. These guys don't want to fight me. You know, you'll never hear a guy like that calling me up. You know, like there's guys that could have chances to fight guys like that if they call out a former champ. You know, if I'm a guy coming up, I'm 8-0, 7-1, you know, I'm calling out former champs. You know, nobody, like nobody want to call me out, you know. 
Who wanna fight DC? I'm telling you, don't nobody wanna fight me. They want me to get swept under the rug, and it's not about to happen. You know, so I'm coming in full full force February fourth. Put best foot forward, put my put my stand back on the division. And any of these boys can get it. They're not fucking with me straight like that. They just can't see me on it. Like, they can't see me, you know? When I'm focused and I'm thinking the way I'm thinking, I'm training the way I'm training, there's not a soul in this world that could take me. Like, is it, do you view the fight as, as in a way, a reintroduction to, to basically let the division know? Like, do you all view it that way? Uh, I guess, but it's just like one of those things like, oh, shit, here you go. It's like, it's about to be like, oh shit, this is what we didn't want. Like, you know, this is, this is what the, this is what they didn't want. And I, I know, I get it. Like, I, I understand exactly who I've been these last few years. And that's a speck of myself. Like, like, and I get it, you know, you got all the right to think how you want, but I'm just really looking forward to February 4th and the rest of my career from here on out, you know? And I do think it's, I don't know. Maybe it's just the coaching, The when you got coaches that believe in you, you got, you know, a solid team that really believe in you, you know, and you notice, like, you know, it makes you just want to go that hard, that much harder, you know. When you got teammates like Gilbert Burns, Jason Jackson's, you know, Cameron Usman's, you know, it makes you want to go that much harder, you know. Uh, so I look to the left, I look to the right, I'm like, why am I not there, you know? And there's no did knock on nobody, you know? But why can't I have this, like, right? Yeah. Why am I not the guy, you know? So I'm going out there to prove that I am the best 135er still in the world. I'm, I'm about to kick up dust on these niggas, like, straight like that. I'm about to go I'm about to go straight ham February 4th, and I'm, again, Nikita, I'm sorry it's got to be you, but somebody got to gotta start with somebody. Yeah. Got to start with somebody. Uh, a final thing uh, I saw on your Instagram. Uh, of course, everyone knows we lost uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson at the end of last year, and, and you had a you had a post about him, obviously being there at, at Killcliffe FC. Like, what, what's your memory of Rumble just being around the gym and and being Anthony? Just the most genuine guy to talk to. Just a breath of fresh air, you know. Um, having a guy like that around was just unmatched, you know, knowing his, everything he's done and been through, you know, and he still comes into training, uh, even though he's battling whatever he's battling, you know, like that, that type of thing, you can't put anything on that. You can't put nothing on that, you know, and so to have a guy like that around, you know, even if it was just for two years, you know, to have that type of spirit around, you know, is is unmatched. You know, um, Anthony really was just a just a special type of person. Yeah, it's uh, it's I've taken in a lot of content of people. You know, I, I think we we all remember what he did on fight nights, but I, I think to me, it's taking in of. Uh, the, the stories we never heard, you know, because I think with, with athletes, you know, there's we, we, we hear the stories about what you do on competition day, but it, we, we rarely hear those stories about like, hey, what, what's Darion doing? On, I mean, I can go to your Instagram. I know you, you're out with the dog, playing with the dog and you know doing those things. But I, I feel like those are stories we just we don't hear enough of 
of of just kind of who we are as people. Yeah, um, I think we we are kind of boxed in as like a just an MMA fighter, but we do have personalities. We do have you know lives out outside of this. I feel like um, a lot a lot more people would be. Um, attracted to me if there was a camera crew around me at all times, you know, because then it won't be like I have to come on these interviews, give a perfect interview. I could just be myself, you know, I could just, you know, people really be like, all right, we fuck with this guy because he's like, we fuck with him. Not these interviews that I come on and then, you know, so from here on out, it's not about like, my thing is, I'm going to go show up fight night and even though it's awesome to come on an interview with you, Jason, I love this, you know, like, this isn't where I shine, right? I shine in life, yeah. right? So anybody who knows me, like, you know, like, it's, it's easy to have a conversation or be around me, right? I've, I've mastered that as well as I have to go out there and master this fight thing again, you know? You know that's where I shine, you know? I shine in life and I shine in fire, you know? So I'm going to go out there February 4th and continue what, what my legacy has been. As a fellow, I, I've got a pup. Like, so, d- do you take the pup to f- onto the fight with you, or or do you have someone down there in South Florida going to take care of your pup? I got too many dogs to be bringing one. I know if one comes, the other one might get, get <laughs> you know. But that'll be cool, you know. I I, I I spend so much time with my dogs, you know, um, that when I'm away, I, I miss them truly. And when I get back, it's always like just a party. It's, it feels so good to have that. That uh, that just uh, unconditional love that oh. that that dogs give, you know. Dude, there's nothing like it. you have a bad day, and you come home, and that dog doesn't care what kind of bad day you had. They're jumping all over you, like you kind of like you kind of forget about like man, that this day sucked. You know, you kind of forget about that. <laughs> exactly though. Yeah, dogs just turn everything. They turn a, a bad day into a good one in a second. So. Yeah, I can laugh. I have a late night in the office, and I'll come home, and then he's kind of passed out. That tail just starts just hitting the bed. Oh yeah, I know, I know. You you kind of forget about my, stuff. My dogs are jump up on top of me like they don't care. They're like, ah, he's here. We jumping on him. Like throw throw their bodies on me. And you know the little dogs, they think they pit bulls too. So they. They funny. They funny. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've got a beagle. He gets in that window, and yeah, he thinks he's a pit bull. He does. He thinks he is, and I'm like, oh no, boy, that dog is way bigger than you. <laughs> Seriously, oh, you got a Frenchie? Uh, I got a beagle. Oh, beagle, very nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very uh, nice. I bet you love those ears. Yeah, yeah. He he's older, so he's he's calm now. But when nice. he was younger, yeah, 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 yeah. He was he was a wild man. That's awesome, bro. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's. Uh, for, you in, Jason? I'm in, I'm in Tampa. I'm up in Tampa. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah, man. That's what's up, bro. Yeah, you know, we we got a little bit of this cold weather right now. You know, this cold weather can go away. You know, I, I need yeah, my I seventy know. degrees back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see, I'm wearing a hoodie, bro. I don't usually do this. I'm usually in a t-shirt and shorts. It's December. Well, it was the Christmas. Christmas Day, we had a group group FaceTime with the family. Everybody in the snow, like y'all. <laughs> I hate you right now. I'm like, got my shirt off <laughs> outside my backyard. Show them like, yo, I'm living a life out here for this. Oh, I know. That, that's what you're living for. That's what you're living for this weather, man. You know, geographically desirable. Exactly. Darion, man, as always, man, I appreciate time and uh, look forward to seeing the matchup here on the fourth, man. Thanks, Jason. 
Joining me now is a man's going to be a part of Bellator 290. Come up here February the 4th as he stepped back inside competition. Obviously hoping for a, a more active 2022 than uh, 2021. Steve, uh, appreciate time. You know, you had this post on Instagram where you, you talked about, you know, 2022 was a great year for you. Uh, unfortunately, you only got one fight in there. We, we all saw kind of how that ended, uh, you know, with IPOKE where, you know, you were unable to continue. So, like, I, from a, a martial arts aspect, how, how do you describe 2021? Um, 2022, you mean? I'm sorry. 2022, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, was, I mean, yeah, I hate to uh, harp on kind of like what the post said, but yeah, professionally was not good. I mean, I had to, I had to pull out of a fight earlier in the year because of something that happened in training, and then I got poked in the eye in the fight that actually materialized. And, and I mean, like I said, professionally was was not was not ideal. Um, but you know, I, looking at life, you know, like as a whole kind of thing, I mean, it was great, man. I have, I have a, a beautiful family. I was, I'm happy. I was healthy. The eye thing was, I mean, it was a flash in the pan. It was there. It happened. It was done. You know, no like lingering issues. Um, just it, like one of those things, you chuck it up to uh, chuck it up to what it is and then just move on. And then, you know, like I said, it, there's so much more to be grateful for in life than, you know, to have a, a bad year professionally, especially, especially when you have such amazing people around you, like I do, just, it's hard to stay hard to stay down for long, you know? You know, obviously, you know, when people are watching a the fight, they see the fact of, you know, Hey, you weren't able to continue, but like, how long does it take your eyesight to come back after that? Well, that's the thing you're in the, you're in the fight and then you're, you can't see, and then you have to think like the, the most, the most foundational thing about being in a combat sport is your ability to, you know, perceive the action as it's unfolding in front of you. So it's like one of those things, like the 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 pain and the vision stuff didn't last very long, and it was just like one of like I would have been fine to to compete by the next weekend or whatever. It was just the way that it happened was wasn't able to compete when it happened and then that was it i mean obviously it was a massive fight for you you know you're taking on the former interim champion i mean like when that when in that moment is that is it all in your mindset of like fuck man this is a huge fight like this is a this is an opportunity of like man i win this fight i may be next i may be getting a title shot or or is the mindset of like man if i can't see i got a killer across the cage for me i can't be going in there with one eye Oh, for, it was both. I mean, it was, it was, Hey, this is a huge opportunity, but it was, man, Valentin Mordowski was without a doubt the, the biggest, the biggest opponent, the biggest fight, the highest stakes I'd ever had. And like I said, I had to call what it was. I would, I would have loved to have been able to continue, but it just wasn't going to happen. But, but you now got this fight and to, the interesting part about this matchup is you're taking on a fellow un, unbeaten fighter but he hasn't fought since 2019. Like mm-hmm. in terms of like, obviously you can go back and you can look at those fights, but like is part of your mindset of like, this guy hasn't fought in over three years. I may be seeing a completely different version of this guy. Yeah. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I'm not really, it's, it's, it's all irrelevant to me. You know, I feel like, I feel like at any given time you step into the cage, you might have somebody, the same guy even do, if you fought him five times in a row, 
even over the course of five five months, let's once a month, once a month for five months, you might have something completely different all five times. And it, it, you know, what I mean, the skills might all be the same, but the way that he executes and the the techniques that he goes for and the uh, the timing and you know all that all that's subject to change. And it's it's like it's just one of those things that I can't really control who he is and what he does, but I can't control who I am and what I do. And I'm just so focused on implementing my, my style, my game plan, my strategy, my plan of attack. And um, I really think I'm going to commit to do that here February 4th. Yeah. I was talking to Darren Caldwell earlier today and, and he kind of made that point of like, look, I can't worry about things I can't control. Like I can only worry about the things that I can control. Cause like, he, he was talking about the fact of, you know, he, he really had to go back and, and reevaluate some things. And he said, like, that was the biggest thing for me is, is just realizing I got to focus on me. I can't be focusing on things I don't control. Like, have you had that mindset throughout your career? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's funny. Like I'd always kind of known that and I learned that pretty early, but that said, it's like, it's almost like the more fights that I have and the more, the more I do it, the more I compete, the more I'm, you know, I spend time with guys, you know, like your, your Darian Caldwell's, the more I realize that the most successful guys really don't get tied up in, in what their opponent's going to do. They really are just focused on executing and executing their plan of attack. And it's, it's like one of those things, you know, like um, the stove doesn't get any less hot every time you touch it, but you know, you get, <laughs> Sometimes you get reminded and man, whenever you, whenever you get reminded and you find out, you really find out. So what has the focus of this training camp been for you? I'm really focusing on, um, I'm really focusing on using my, my attributes and my style of offense and maximizing them both, making them work in tandem with each other. Is that just kind of, more of, of a self-evaluation of yourself over the past couple of years of, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, to be fair. Yes, that it is. But I've really taken to, um, I would say the last, like the last six months I've really taken to like, okay, what can I, you know, being so big and so long and having the frame that I have, what, what can I do to, to make the, the most? So if I were, you know, like, if I were Jerome Bettis, you know, strong, fast, durable, you know, wide, the things that he did, he, he really maximized all of his athletic abilities to, to be successful. And you know, I mean, I'm not a football player, but I do know that I do have some, you know, athletic attributes that other people don't have. And I've really taken to thinking like, okay, what, what is it that I can do with my body type that I'll make the absolute most of what's been given to me to see the most, you know, whatever the most, the most effective style of fighting. Like, do you think that's like one of your big advantages just in generally speaking of because of the, the size and the reach that you bring at, at this heavyweight division that it it's, it's one of those things of early on in the fight that you can really capitalize on things because your opponent is just trying to figure out where they need to be to kind of stay out of your range. Well, I feel like, <clears throat> um, not to kind of turn that on its head, but I do feel like my, my physical gifts, you know, are, are kind of like an afterthought. I feel like my coachability, my determination, my work ethic, those are the things that have kind of gotten me to the dance. And my, my physical attributes are just kind of, just kind of part and parcel, you know? 
it, you know, and, and obviously a win here, put yourself right back there in the mix. But I mean, like, look, your your, your teammate Linton Vassell, he's right there. He he's actually taking on Modowski, uh, you know, a month after you. Like, have the two of you guys had that conversation of, of what's going to happen if if that ever does come together, where maybe one of you is a champion and the other one's going to challenge for it? Yeah, Linton Vassell and I are not interested in fighting each other. Okay. Now, if I, I mean, if I'm being completely candid with you, uh, I fight him three times a week. I'm just not interested. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Linton, that said, um, Linton's one of my best friends, you know. Like, I've had a lot of guys come and go, and um, several guys that have been good friends that I train with, some, several guys that have been a mentor, several guys who, um, you know, guys I admire, you know, and they run the gamut from – guys who are moderately successful to guys who are, you know, literally some of the best fighters in the world. But like Linton checks all the boxes, not just on the professional side in terms of, you know, being, being like a mentor and a role model, but also being, you know, he's a good friend. He's, he's somebody that I hang out with outside the gym, you know, pretty damn close to as often as I see him in the gym. He's somebody that, you know, like, you know, it goes a little bit further than fighting closer to home than, you know, just a paycheck and a belt. And it, like I said, I'm just not interested like it, it makes me think about it. you had this Instagram post of basically talking about like it, it to be a good sparring session. Someone's got to push you. Someone's got to push you to you know kind of you know give you the best. Is Linton is Linton that guy in in the training room for you? Linton is that fucking guy, man. Linton and I, man, the amount of times Linton and I fucking walked out of the gym with a headache or holding some part of our body, man. Fucking un- like I said, I. Not because I, not because we don't like them or they have the sessions get particularly heated, but just because every time you know we're you know towing the line across from each other, we both expect each other to you know really push each other. And yeah, I mean, there's you know how it is. There's days where he gets me, I get him, yeah. so on and so forth. The fact of the matter is though that every time we're we're in a session together, we expect the absolute best out of each other, and you know as a result, we end up getting the best out of each other, and it's. Like I said, I, I cannot come up with a single reason to fight him that outweighs all of the several reasons that I like, you know, just having him as a training partner, as a friend. And, you know, just to kind of just to kind of put the final thought on this, it's almost like it's almost like um, the worst part about fighting Linton Vassell would not be would be not being able to train with Linton Vassell. Yeah. <laughs> so and I'm sure he feels the same way. You know, speaking of people you've been around throughout your MMA journey, you had an Instagram post talking about the passing away of Anthony Johnson, and you talked about how Anthony helped you grow. And I was asking Darren on this question, and I said, you know, we all know who Rumble is, but who is Anthony to you? This is kind of a, a very, a lot more personal question, I think most people realize. Um I got to know two Anthony Johnsons. Um, I got to know Anthony Johnson when he was a, when he was that guy. And I got to know Anthony Johnson after he took a little break and kind of step back, reevaluate some things. And, um, I cannot say how grateful I am to have somebody like him in my life, you know, without, without turning this into a sob story. You know, he was a guy that when I met him, I was, an amateur getting ready to transition into the pros. Uh-huh. And he was a guy that like, like when I met him, he was, I want to say the first time I trained with him was before he fought Ryan Bader in 2000. What was that? 2013 maybe. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Anyway, 
Joseph fourteen fifty one of those. Anyway, he was um, he just had this 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 competitive intensity whenever he sparred and whenever he fought that I've really only ever seen a couple guys um, be able to to kind of match and um, he set the standard for just so many of us in the gym, not just in terms of his athletic ability, but because of his you know his acumen and his 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 competitive spirit. And so, like I said, whenever I first met him, we weren't like not even close to like what Lynn and I are in, in terms of being friends, but he was somebody that like every time I went with him, I got reminded of like, this is what it takes to be at the top level. So fast forward to, you know, he takes a little break. He comes back. Um, the, the competitive fire had been reignited kind of thing. And I got to know him more as a person. And the more I got to know him as a person, the more and more I appreciated that, like, um, for as intense and as, you know, heated and as passionate as a competitor as he was and as, you know, skilled and, you know, physically capable as he was, he really was underneath it all just, just a guy trying to figure it out every day. And, I you know, I can't tell you how much I appreciate having somebody who, you know, kind of kind of – I got to know on both levels, you know. So, man, yeah, rest in peace to him. He was, he was a special talent, if ever there was one, and a, and a good guy too. Speaking of those competitive juices, can you turn it off? Like, I mean, that's, the, that's like, the thing is, I think it, I think it's off all the time. But then you'll say something, <laughs> you'll say something about uh, how the Buccaneers beat the Steelers at some point. I'm like, yeah, well, how many fucking wings you guys got? And then, and then we're going. <laughs> We, we bicker back and forth till three in the morning. I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll never forget when uh, we went up there and beat them. This was probably like 2014. So we're, we're on the team who's, playing. Who's we? who's we? The Buccaneers? Bucks. Cause I, I work for the Bucks okay. Radio Network. But, and, yeah, but, I knew, I knew, but if you try to turn this into a Patriots thing, I would have been like, No, oh, no. I, I, I remember. It's, I think I want to say it was like 2014. We won like right at the end of the game. And we're yeah. sitting on the team plane waiting to take off to, to leave. And Snoop Dogg is just going off on Instagram. How do you lose to the yeah. Bucks? And I mean, we're sitting on the plane dying laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Pittsburgh. I, I, one of the things I remember about Pittsburgh, um, when we went there this year, I don't think they had it, but the year before they had food trucks in the end zone, which I thought was a really cool thing. Mm. It's just something you don't see in stadiums around the league too much. This is, I really feel like Pittsburgh. And I mean, not, I'm not just saying this cause I'm from there, but, there's something special about Pittsburgh that I really haven't seen anywhere else. And I mean, I get, every city's unique. I get that. But like, you know, I, I've had the distinct pleasure of having to travel all around because of the sport. Yeah. And I really feel like there's nothing, there's nothing quite as like Frank and, and homey and like real as like yeah. the steel city. And I, it's, it's just shit like that. That's like, Man, somebody, a friend of mine, Hunter Homestek, he's a writer up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Promoter. He was telling me, he sent me this commercial the other day for an Iron City Light thing, whatever, or Iron City Beer. Yeah. And it's this guy, and he's like a bunch of dudes working on a railroad, swinging these hammers, hitting a railroad track for no reason, just talking about how tough he is and only tough guys drink Iron City Beer. <laughs> and it was crazy to think that like in the commercial ends with him being like, it's a Berg thing made me think like this is the most Pittsburgh shit I've ever seen. Like just how like intense and like, like this guy is being so cringy and dorky, but he's so like into it. And obviously he's a paid actor, but I yeah. still was like, this is, this is the most <laughs> Pittsburgh shit I've ever seen. Like, 
just so hyped and you know, you know, whatever, passionate about whatever with a fucking hitting a, a fucking railroad beam with a sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I've I've always had a good time in Pittsburgh. I mean, look, I, I don't want to deal with the cold. I'm, I'm a Florida guy. Don't want to deal with the cold. Give me seventy yeah. degrees all day long. Yeah, I mean, just so don't get me wrong. I, I won't take that Pittsburgh weather back. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll probably, I mean, I'll probably spend the rest of my life in Florida, and I'm still like. <laughs> I'll be a Pittsburgh guy till I'm dead, but that's one thing I'm not prepared to give up is the sunshine every day. No doubt about it. But Steve, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, we look forward to seeing the fight here on February the 4th, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me, Jason. Joining me now is a man that's back inside the Bellator cage here, Bellator 290, coming up here on February the 4th. It is Chris Gonzalez takes on Max Roshkoff. Chris, uh, appreciate the time, and uh, it's obviously it's been a little bit of time since uh, we've seen you back in inside competition. So uh, what has been going on in your world, man? Yeah, man, just a whole lot of the same. My my day-to-day doesn't really change too much. Uh, just, just training, always getting ready for the next one hanging out with my dogs you'll probably be seeing them here in this video hopping back and forth we're actually headed down to dublin to get some white tie training in right now um that's really been it i just been just been waiting for the call waiting for the opportunity finally got it and here we are yeah anyone who checks you out on on ig they definitely they'll see pictures of your dogs i'm i'm the same way you go to my ig you'll see picture of my of my pup but you know when i was looking at that ig bio the one thing that, that stuck out to me you said man on a mission it, what is a simple mission for you? Yeah, so a mission is something that's kind of never-ending, right? Uh, you know, we talk about having short-term goals and long-term goals and infinite goals. And my mission is just to be the best version of myself, you know, uh, in, in all regards and all respects, uh, socially, physically, athletically, um, as far as the MMA world goals, uh, goes, goals are. Uh, definitely, you know, uh, getting that belt wrapped around my waist and, you know, having an argument to say that I'm the best lightweight in the world. But, uh, my mission is just to be the best person that I can be, man. Um, and just, uh, just keep moving forward. Obviously your last fight was against the best in the Bellator lightweight division. What, what do you, what, what do you take away from that? Or, or is there anything you take away from it? Yeah. I mean, you always got to take something away. If I like, oh, I just got caught and, you know, that was that and walk away just as cocky as I walked in, then I'd be doing myself a disservice. So uh, there's not too much that I can take away since, you know, everything happened so quick and there wasn't much action uh, up until that point. But uh, just like I've had a couple other interviews and just kind of telling those guys the same thing, just making sure that when I'm training and I'm sparring, I'm sparring in a cage and not just sparring in an open mat, right? Because... Mm-hmm. You don't think that it's that much of a difference, but it really is. Not um, to make any excuses, but I definitely feel like I got caught. We got into a scramble, came up, I just pulled out and didn't realize the cage was behind me. And, um, you know, once I pulled out and the cage stopped me, it just stopped my momentum enough to allow him to cinch, in a, cinch that choke up. Um, and he did a great job capitalizing on it. So I don't want to take anything away from this one. He's, he's a high-level fighter. He's undefeated for a reason. So, um, you know preparation and opportunity were there and he capitalized you know so it's it is what it is but just just being a little bit making sure that when i am sparring i'm sparring in an actual fight scenario there's a cage around me um and i gotta be on point and aware of 
Are, are there times where you find yourself in a sparring situation or a potential sparring situation and you go, oh, crap, man, they're in a cage here. Do you, do you try do you then do you try to change your mindset at all? No, I mean, we have at our gym, we've got it all. So we've got it. We've got a cage um, at our gym. We've got we've got a big room, and a big mat with like, you know, the walls and stuff like that. Um, so closer to the fight, you definitely want to get more cage work in outside of a fight. If you don't have a cage, you just need to be more cognizant. Like, look, you can't take fucking 20 steps backwards because in a fight, you're going to back into a cage. Um, so it's and it's having the right partners at the same time who are willing to work with along the same rule sets, you know, that you're preparing for. So um, fortunately, the gym that I'm at, we've got, we've got all the tools that I need uh, to make sure that I'm successful and that, you know, what happened in that last fight doesn't happen again before you had an Instagram post where you said, focus on what you can do, work on what you can't. Um, is that simply of just having a self-awareness of knowing what you have to improve on to, to take those next steps? Yeah, I think it's super important to, to know your strengths and weaknesses, you know, and that's, that's not just fighting, but that's in life. Like you can't get to the highest level in anything and then only try to do what you're not good at because you're trying to prove something to someone, right? Like you got to this point because you're great at doing these one or two particular things. So it's, you know, uh, focus on, you know, what you're great at doing. You always have that in your back pocket, you know, when you're tired or when things aren't going the way you want them to go, you can always fall back on that. But at the same time, you got to be aware of what you can do because your opponents and your competition, whether it's in a cage or whether it's in the corporate world, they're going to try to take advantage of that. So the less holes that you have in your game, the more successful you're going to be ideally. Right. So it's, it's just being aware of what I can do and what I can't do, trying to minimize what I can't do and uh, just being the best person of myself that I can be. What's the focus of this training camp been for Max? Yeah, so I mean, Max is a high-level wrestler. He trains at a really high-level jiu-jitsu gym, so I feel like that's going to be something that he tries to do most of his fights. Uh, that seems to be his game plan. Uh, I have very, very high-level wrestling myself, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, not to give away too much, you know, if it goes on the mat, I'm confident we'll, <laughs> I'll be able to do what I want to do down there. Uh, but I see myself keeping this fight on the feet and just making him miserable. He's gonna he's gonna shoot. I'm gonna stuff his takedowns. I'm gonna punch him in his shit. He's gonna shoot again. And I'm just gonna rinse and repeat. And uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a way out if he wants to take it. And if he doesn't, then we can just do that for 15 minutes. So, uh, yeah. Everyone knows the story of Max. Everyone knows what happened. Um, I remember talking to a previous opponent, and, and they said, "My mentality is I've got to push this at a pace." that maybe he that he the, maybe he can or cannot handle. Is that part of your thought process with this one? Nah, I feel like when you go in there and you try to force something or you come in like, oh, I got this great game plan, right? Uh, everybody's got a game plan and, until you get punched in the face. <laughs> yes. like Mike, Tyson, Mike, Mike Tyson, right? Yeah. So it's uh, I'm just going to take the fight as it comes. Um, obviously, everybody, like you said, knows what happens in that fight with Austin Hubbard in the UFC. But I don't really pour too much into that. He took the fight on, I think, 10 days notice. Uh, who knows if he was even in cap, camp at that point or if he just tried to take advantage of an opportunity that presented itself. You know, I'm expecting him 
to come in here and be in a lot better shape than he was for that fight. Uh, you know, just because if I were to go in there and being like, oh, I just need to push the pace and make shit, maybe I'm the one who gasses up. <laughs> it, go, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. So um, I'm sure he's made a ton of improvements since then. Um, the fact that he, you know, he got back on the saddle at all after, you know, receiving so much criticism for the way that that all played out um, just speaks on his resilience. So um, I'm expecting the best version of him and I'm going to give him the best version of myself. Is there at all part uh, part of that mentality of like, Hey, I know he wants to get this thing to the ground, but screw it. I'm just going to take his ass down and, and beat him at his own game. Is there ever that, that competitor mentality in you that has that mindset? Yeah. I mean, I could take anybody down in the world. So, I mean, I'm past that point in my life where my ego is so big that I need to prove, <laughs> prove that to myself. Like I know I can take anybody in the world down. That's, uh, that's not something I put too much energy into. Um, the only thing that's on my mind is winning, winning this fight. So whether I got to do a standing up, whether I got to do it on the ground, uh, you know, we're just going to get the job done and make sure we, we go. Andres. Was there ever a time that you, you felt like you fought too much with your ego? So the only two times that I feel like I've lost a fight is when I came in there very, very confident. Um, <laughs> and obviously confidence is super important, but I think there's a confidence between, I mean, I think there's a, you know, there's a little grayer between confidence and uh, just being almost like lackadaisical to mm-hmm. a degree, you know, in the Goity fight, I came in there and I was like, just dead said, I'm going to knock him out. I'm going to knock him out. And instead of just letting the fight come, being a mixed martial artist, um, you know, and I got caught in that one. And then the same thing with the Suspon fight, we get into an over under. That's where I'm the most com- uh, confident in. Got a little lackadaisical, he trips me. Next thing you know, I'm backing into a cage and I'm getting choked. Uh, so it's just fine. It's just finding that, that balance between being humble, being respectful, and having that confidence and you know, having that arrogance too. You gotta, you gotta have a little bit of all of it. You know, if, if you don't fear your opponent, then he's gonna. You know, he might see, he might fucking surprise you. He might do some shit that you're not giving him the respect or the credit for. So, uh, like I said, man, I'm the best version of Max. I'm going to go on there like I'm fighting a world-class wrestler, like I'm fighting a world-class striker. Uh, and I'm going to give him everything that I fucking got, and I'm going to give him hell. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where he's at. He, I don't think he's really fought any high-level competition since he uh, fought in the UFC. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see if he's. We'll see if he's. Uh, if all the hype is legit or not. So, uh, just a couple weeks out, I guess we'll find out. Do you feel like this game is as much mental as it is physical for yourself? Uh, it's probably. It's probably more mental. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of training that we do on a regular, that I do on a day-to-day basis, it's just as much, if not mentally than it is physically sometimes. Um, so, I mean, it definitely plays, plays a part, you know, you gotta make sure that your mind, body and spirit are all in sync with one another. If, if you're, if you're not doing what you got to do in one of those departments, then often, you know, the other ones are going to be affected too. So, um, I spend a lot of time focusing on my mental health, on my physical health, on my spiritual health, and just doing what I have to do for myself, especially while I'm in training camp. Uh, so yeah, I'm just trying to be aligned and you know, that's when you'll get the best version of me when I have all those things that same. 
And of course, everyone can check your fight out here. Coming up here, Bellator 290, February the 4th. Chris, I appreciate time and uh, good luck in the matchup, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate your time, too. Joining me now here on the Amir Report is a man that's going to be a part of Bellator 290 Cup here on February the 4th as he takes on Jalen Bates. Of course, a fight that we're supposed to see back there in November. Unfortunately, that fight did not happen uh, because of uh, Jalen was unable to ha- had a little bit issue on the medical side, but everything is now good for this matchup. Jornel, as always, man, I appreciate the time. It's, it's been nine months since we've seen you inside competition. H- how do you describe the last nine months? Uh, eye-opening ever since that last fight in mine, you know, losing the way I lost, uh, having just having to reinvent myself, um, figuring out where my grappling style was, uh, was off at. I had to figure that out. I had to trial and error, trial and error, uh, take advice from as many people as I could. And, um, over the last few months is really starting to all come together and I'm starting to get real comfortable with, uh, uh, a different type of a grappling style that I have now. So um, it's been good. It's been, it's been uh, much needed. It was needed for me to get better. So that way I can hang with the best guys in the world. Did, did part of that uh, growth for you as a martial arts in terms of the grappling uh, lead you to start training with different people? Yeah, I trained with a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of different people. Um, Try to get as many looks as I could, asked a lot of questions, you know, studied a lot of film, watched a lot of fights. And, you know, I, I learned, I even learned from the people, you know, at 135 in my own division. You know, I study a lot of the guys in my own division and see what they do. And I take things from everybody, my division at 135 in Bellator, my division uh, in the UFC. I'm studying different guys from different weight classes. But, um, yeah. It, you know, because you, you mentioned in an Instagram post uh, where you said develop a lot of new tools for my uh, for my return. Don't miss this fight. Um, I, obviously, I know you're not going to sit here in an interview and say the new tools that, that are in the tool bag. But like, do you is there part of you that looks at this as like Jornel version 2.0 version 3.0? Like, is there part of you that maybe feels like this is going to be kind of like a, a reintroduction of yourself? Yeah, it's not. I'm not a one anymore. I'm a 2.0. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, definitely. Like as far like my style has, has uh, been able to upgrade it a lot, and really been able to um, I just I just really had to rewire my paradigm as far as uh, MMA went, you know, because when I started training a long time ago, I was 14 years old. I'm 27 now. But in that in that time of day, you got to think about it. Like people, the people who fought back then, they did jujitsu for the most part and Muay Thai. You remember those days? It was mostly jujitsu people and Muay Thai fighters. So, you know, people are picking the legs at the check kicks. People are getting taken down and pulling guard, you know, and then slowly, you know, uh, wrestling started to pick up more and uh, the Dagestani style started picking up more. People, people are not uh, uh, conceding bottom anymore. And uh, people are not, like, striking the same way they used to. And now, these days, it seems like boxing and wrestling is more prominent or the more um, efficient style for MMA. And not only technique wise, but as far as like the mindset behind grappling and the mindset behind Muay Thai fighting, they're both very calm and very uh, poised styles of fighting. Like you look at grapplers, like Muay Thai Thai fighters, for example, and they're very slow picking their legs up. They don't, they don't explode often. Look at jujitsu fighters. They don't scramble often. They're very calm and relaxed. 
And, you know, that's the kind of style that I kind of came up in. I was kind of like going down a path of like, I guess like a Musashi and like a, what's the 170 pound, what's the 170 pound, uh, champ in Bellator? Oh, he used to be the champ. Uh, the guy that Logan Doug. Storley, uh, Douglas Lima. Yeah. Douglas Lima and, and, and Musashi, they have like this more laid back and relaxed style. But it seems like that style is not uh, the best style you can have for MMA. It would be better for you to be more explosive like a wrestler, uh, faster paced like boxers and things like that. So I had to really just go in there and really uh, revamp my style to be more suit for MMA. I mean, do you, do you in a way feel like you've become more of a student of the game over the last nine months than you were before? I mean, I, I, I always study, but you know, sometimes the problem is, is that you could, you can, um, you can uh, you can adopt the wrong ideologies or the wrong paradigms, you know. So sometimes you need to have an awakening. You need to have a rude awakening to show you, okay, I'm flawed in this way. You know, you might see something, you might think a, a, a course in life is correct until you're corrected or until somebody say, hey, look, what you're doing is wrong, you know. So in that fight, you know, for me to lose the way I did, Say if I say if I would have fought somebody else and I would have had a close fight and maybe he just out wrestled me a little bit or something like that, then maybe I wouldn't have went back and said, "Hey, look, you got to really think about how you're fighting and really make adjustments." So it's good that what happened happened. Obviously, you don't want to lose to have to learn your lesson. Obviously, I'd rather learn that lesson in the gym. I don't ever want to lose, but I mean, I had to learn the lesson some way somehow. So I learned it in the ring, and uh, so it was important that I went through that. You know, I had a chance to to talk to Jalen about this matchup, and you know, I, I said to him when th- this matchup was initially announced, I was like, "Damn, this is a banger of a fight. These are two, you know, young guys in, in the bantamweight division." And I said to him, "I go, don't you feel like this could be a matchup that we're talking about? This is not going to be the only meeting the two of you guys have. That by the time both of your careers are said and done, that you might fight him two or or three times." Yeah, I mean. We're both very young. I'm 27, so, you know, I'm just getting into my prime, you know, uh, and he's 25 or 26, right? So he's the same. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, if, if after this fight, we could see each other because eventually, let's say if I get to Bell, then he can rise back up the ranks. We're both very young, but who knows how things play out? Who knows where, where people go in their careers? You never know, but definitely, since we're both so young, we could definitely see each other again. Pros and cons of this fight uh, having an additional two months to prepare for. Pros, you know, I mean, I, I was able to get even better. Like, I, I, I feel like actually now I'm even more confident than if the fight would have happened in November. As far as like, I even, I, I even changed my conditioning. The way I was doing my conditioning in the last couple months, I've uh, made some adjustments, and the the adjustments that I've made have been made me um, more able to keep up the type of style that I'm using now. Whereas the old conditioning that I used to do couldn't keep up with this um, newfound type of uh, fighting style that I have now. So actually, I'm, I'm glad that we had this extra two months. Now I'm even more prepared. Is it uh, like a higher intensity type strain conditioning that you, you've been on? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, drop, dropping down the, the, the length of time of the cardio that I'm doing and being more uh, high pace, like red line cardio, um, shortening the breaks and... Um, just basically revolving everything around being more fast twitch and more um, high pace, basically. You know, one of the things, <clears throat> as I was kind of doing some some prep on you leading up to this one, I feel like you're a little bit different than most MMA fighters where I feel like you're more active on Twitter than you are Instagram. 
where I think for the most part, it seems like fires are more active on Instagram as opposed to Twitter. Are, are you are you more of a Twitter guy than you are an Instagram guy? Well, well, you know, the thing is, this, here's the thing about that. The thing is like, so I'm not so big on like posting me like, hey, look at me today. Look at this selfie that I just took. Look at me at the gym. Look at me eating food. Look at me <laughs> picking sneezing. <laughs> just look at me. I really don't care. I don't really want to offer pictures of myself to the world. For me, that's irrelevant. I don't care for that. What I want to offer is my mindset, my beliefs, and um, the things that I believe in that are that hold true near and dear to my heart. I want to put out uh, understanding. I want to put out wisdom. I want people to see something and be able to learn something and take that with them and have that affect their lives. Whereas a picture of my face doesn't affect your life. You're just like, okay, I guess you're handsome or I guess you're ugly. How does that help anybody? You know, because <laughs> you, know, you had a post so earlier. That's Instagram versus yeah. Twitter. You, you had a post earlier today on Twitter where you were talking about goals and you know how you know you want to set these goals because maybe you achieve them, maybe you don't. But if you you don't put a goal, you can't succeed it. Like as you think of 2023 for goals for you of what you want to accomplish this year, what what's on the goal list? No, the same goals as I had before, but I'm gonna fight three times this year. I want to be able to beat the best guys, man. Like I, I, I'm really diligent, and I, and I, um, I work my hardest. I, I study. I'm diligent. I'm trying my best. So I want to just be successful in my craft because this is my job. And um, the Bible teaches you to be diligent. I don't want to be lazy. I want to work. I, I'm I'm getting into my prime now. I'm 27 years old, so I I can't afford to keep fighting twice a year because now we're getting we're getting into the meat and potatoes of my career. Whereas before it was like amateur, building up building my pro career, putting myself in position. Well, now I'm in position. Now I need to work and make the most out of this uh, short time of my life. And, of course, everyone's going to see the fight here February the 4th, Bellator 290. Everyone can check this matchup out over there on YouTube, the Showtime YouTube channel as well. Jornel, as always, man, I appreciate the time, and I look forward to seeing this matchup, man. Thank you, man. appreciate it. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man we're going to see step back inside competition here, Bellator 290, a matchup that was supposed to take place all the way back there uh, in November of last year. Unfortunately, that matchup doesn't doesn't come together. And and I know I, was, I found a, a, an interview you did kind of recently where you talked about the fact of, you know, there, there was a little bit of a medical issue. You just couldn't get clear for that fight. Is that the correct uh, what happened there? Yeah, exactly. I just couldn't get cleared. And, it, uh, and it's really because the doctor it was really a problem more with the doctor than the medical because I fought, I've, I've had six fights in Bellator since then I've had. So it was just, it was more with the doctor than anything. Uh, the doctor was just being very difficult, and, but thankfully we got a new doctor. So those, those things won't happen. That's gotta be a frustrating thing though. Right. Cause like, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you're you're grinding every day, and all you all you want to do is go in there on fight night and, and go earn yeah. and earn that paycheck. I mean, it's fresh. Is do you describe those couple of weeks leave that fight as more of a, a frustrating thing? So I was I was I was very peed off about the doctor not clearing me because you know you had Christmas coming up, you had the holidays coming up, you had these things coming up, and I was like, well, now I'm not going to expect a fight check because I had plans. I had and, and but. It, it's okay. So this is how the story went. We were going to go to Paris, me and my fiance for Christmas um, or for the, the, the month of December. And thankfully 
that fight didn't happen because we would have been in Paris when those riots and those things were going on. So uh, there's some, you know, I don't know what, I don't know exactly what happened, but there were some riots, there's some like terror, you know, some attacks or whatever. So there's some th- bad things that happened in Paris. So thankfully we weren't out there because possibly we would have been stuck out there. Um, so I feel like at the end of the day, I, I believe in God and God, there's a reason why that fight didn't co- go through. It was, it was frustrating. And yes, I was frustrated at the doctor, but I always know that God's plan is always going to be greater for us than we originally think. We, we, we don't know God's plan. And it's always going to be great. I, I feel the same way you do. I, I have this thing is I feel like everything happens for a reason. There, there's a reason one thing leads, leads to another. Uh, but I mean, by the time you step into the cage here in a couple of weeks, it's, it's going to be a little bit of time since you stepped into the cage there back in, right. back in July, uh, a close fight you had back there in July. What, what, what did you take away from that fight in, in preparations for this one? Uh, hard work beats talent. Uh, talent, talent is, I, I'm talented. I have a God gifted ability to understand the fight game and, 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 and grasp things very quick, quickly. It doesn't take me a very long time to understand, um, situations and move and, and, and um, moves and, and, um, positioning and things like that. It doesn't, that's, that's just God because some people, you know, it's going to take them a while, but just because I can't rely on that as well. I still have to work hard. I still have to be in the gym. I still have to be dedicated. And um, that last fight, I was starting to, you, you start to um, smell your own Kool-Aid or, or whatever the saying is. You start to believe in your own, your own grand delusion, really. And uh, it took me back because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very hard critique on myself. And I said, I don't like this feeling because I almost felt like I lost. I could have lost. In my opinion, I could have lost. Even though some people say I had a unanimous decision for you winning, no people don't see how they they could a judge could have gave it to him one round or whatever. In my head, I was like, that was uh, that was a very crappy performance uh, on my part, and I don't want to do crappy performances. I don't want to have that mentality going into the cage. So, I took a lot of those issues those problems and doing what i was doing and changed it and from september from september on since we signed to fight um Jornel, i had just been dedicated man and it's going to show from here into the rest of my career now now do you do you have that athlete mindset of like like you get around nfl players and they talk about the 24-hour rule of you know what you take 24 hours you kind of deal with what happened and you just you move on you you move on to the next one or do you have a mindset of like nah man that that lives with me like it's hard for you to get that feeling out of your out of your mind Mm, maybe for the first maybe for the first couple days maybe for the first week i'm I'm feeling you know i'm sitting there and maybe wallowing in my own self-pity or whatever but after that, life goes on, and at the, at the end of the day, no one really cares. No one really cares about, oh, you had a bad performance. You know, you, you won. You get over it. And um, the only person that cares is you. The only person that can continue on that that, that negative feeling is you. So, okay, first couple of days, I, I feel bad. Oh, I should have done this, should have done that. Man, I look terrible. I look like crap. He was literally talking crap to me, and I couldn't finish him and all this. You know what? Okay, cool. 
Now you know what you need to do. You need to take it serious. You're a professional now. This isn't the amateurs. This is the big leagues. And you need to approach it as, as such and take it, take every man in there very serious. And so that's what that's, I feel like that's what, yeah, just that 24, I don't know if it's a 24 hour rule necessarily, but yeah, just move on, move on. I remember when this fight was initially announced, but my, my first thought was like, damn, this is a banger of two young studs coming up in this game that are two guys in a 35 pound division that, you know, th- these guys might fight two, three times by the time said done just because of both of your abilities. Like when Bellator initially comes to you with, with Jornel Lugo, like, do you remember like what your initial mindset was uh, about the matchup? No, I remember, well, I feel like also I called for this fight. I said, you know, I'm ready to fight. After the last fight, I called for it in my interviews. You know, I'm ready to fight. I, I said specifically Jornel, Caspell. Um, I don't know who else I said. I said, I, said, I, I know I said, I think I said, oh, Keith Lee. Keith Lee, but Keith Lee's no longer with Bellator or whatever. But I, I was, because I was looking to fight. If it, was, if it went exactly the way I planned, I was looking to fight the two opponents that Jornel fought, and Jornel would be the last opponent I fought. And Jornel couldn't put Cass away, but I would put Cass away. I would put Keith Lee away, and then I'd fight Jornel. But God had another plan and said, "Boom! Here you get you get you get the you get the the, the guy with the best record." And so now we're here, and uh, I'm excited because I remember seeing him after my first fight. Kind of was eyeing me up were looking at me um, in the airport after my first fight with Bellator. And I think maybe it was his first fight as well. And this was like two years ago. And he was just looking at me and you know, I didn't say anything to him or nothing like that. I, I saw him and I was like, okay, you know, one day, at, what, at the end of the day, one day we're all going to have to fight. There's no ducking in this sport. And if you, if you do duck, I mean, you're a duck. So it is what it is, but, yeah, they're all gonna have to fight me, and uh, I can't wait. So, Jornel is a great starting point, but I, I truly believe after I smash him, he'll be uh, we'll, we'll be coming back, we'll be coming back, and we'll we'll see a Lugo versus Bates too. And I'll have the belt by then. And I, I, I believe he'll work his way up, and if not, then you know it is what it is. But I believe we'll definitely see a Lugo versus Bates too after this. In terms of having an additional two plus months to prepare for this matchup, like it, do you look at that as an advantage, or, or do you kind of feel like, like, man, I'm tired of thinking about this dude every day for the last six months? No, actually, what I I was telling Antonio is I love people who keep me up at night. That is actually something I like about this fight game. I want you to keep me up at night because my mindset is just oriented differently on how I'm going to beat you, how I'm going to smash you, how, how, what, what can you do to beat me? What can I work on? What is my weakness? Like it's, it, I love the fact that, and that's, and that's how like actions I want to fight people that keep me up at, Oh, sorry. I want to fight people that keep me up at night because if you keep me up at night, you must be important. And then once I get past you, then I'm like, ah, I can relax go enjoy time with my family Go in and chill. Go 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 up to my parents' house in Oregon, uh, in Portland. Uh, you know, and go and relax and do things like that, and then get right back to it. Okay, 
now this guy's going to keep me up. Who's next? Um, but during fight camps, I really don't. During fight week, I don't get a lot of sleep. And during fight camps, I don't sleep a lot. I sleep five, four hours here, two hours here, mm-hmm. three hours. It's very sporadic. I, but, but, but it's on a schedule, but it's very sporadic, and I like that. Is it hard for you to kind of turn off that? Like, you know, you, you, we all, you know, we all have a job, whatever it may be. And we all like to kind of get home and be able to turn off kind of like what work day was. Do you have that ability to turn it off of like when you're just sitting at home and like maybe you're just trying to watch TV or you're trying to play video games or read a book? Like, can you get your mind off the fight? When I'm so, when I, I wake up at four in the morning, uh, four, four, four in the morning, four thirty. Go to the gym from five to seven. Come home, relax, play video games. Go to the gym from nine to about twelve thirty one. And when I do that, that's when I go to sleep. I'll go to sleep about four or five hours. Wake up about six. Meal prep my dinner. Oh, and then and also in the in the middle of that that seven after that first workout session, I eat. That's my breakfast. Then I'll. You know, do my workouts. So I'll wake up at six. I'll meal prep my dinner, and then uh, from seven thirty to nine, seven thirty to eight thirty, I'm in the gym again. Sometimes nine, and then I'm back home. I eat, and then I go to sleep for a couple hours, and I wake up. Sometimes I wake up at three. Sometimes I wake up at two, and then I, I just stay in my word. And yeah, I yeah, I like I, I just like that that that. that when I'm home, I can relax mm-hmm. and I can chill and then I go right. But then I'm always thinking like, I can't wait to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, one of the things that I was noticing about you is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing, you know, digging into you. I'm like, hold on. You know, there really hasn't been any posts on Instagram in a long time. I, I don't see it. Uh, are you really, you're not active on Twitter. You're not, I, I, you're not, I don't yeah, find TikTok for you. Are you, are you just not a social media guy? I really wish that that didn't affect our our paychecks. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I really wish it did. Uh, unfortunately, it, unfortunately, I feel like it does because I feel like we should be based off the our records, the 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 people we put actually in the seats, um, our 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 even a projection like our projection like okay they're projected to do this and if they meet that then they should okay. But, um, yeah, I'm not a big social media guy. I don't like to post on social media. I also think it's – I'm not oriented to social media yet. I don't know – I'm not uh, – I, I don't even know I don't even know what to say. I'm not really a social media guy. I, I, I like social media. I, I understand it, but um, I don't like posting what I do and yeah. where I'm at the – but but I also understand that that's something you have to do, especially with this day and age. You have to move with the times, or you're going to get left. Yeah. So it's something we're working on and marketing yourself, and it's something that I'm actually learning, um, taking a couple courses for because, especially with this coming year, it's it's something you just have to do as a fighter. You have to make your own videos or find a videographer and make videos and do things like that. So I'm I'm working on it. It's something I'm I'm getting better at. Uh I, I'm one of those people that if I don't know it, I'll find someone who does or I'll work on it and, and get it and, and figure it out. Because uh, at the end of the day it's I mean someone's done it somewhere. So you just have to learn it and be disciplined enough to learn it. So 
I'm working on it, but yeah, it's social media, man. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, look, I, I went to college for marketing and uh, when I was in college, social media was not a thing. So I had to, I had to learn about it as well. But uh, Joe, oh, man, I, I appreciate time. I look forward to seeing this matchup here on February 4th and uh, good luck in the fight matchup, man. Thank you so much, man. God bless. Joining me now here on the MMA report is a man's going to step back inside competition. Come up here, Fury FC 73, January 29th. Of course, you can watch it live on UFC Fight Pass. Zach, uh, appreciate time. Obviously, it's been uh, a little bit of time since we saw you there on the Contender Series. I, I know you were supposed to have a fight there in October. Unfortunately, um, that, that fight did not come together here. But, uh, like, as you kind of think about the last, like, you know, four plus months for you, you know, since that Contender Series fight, like, how, how do you describe it? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, unfortunately I, I wasn't able to, uh, to take part in that fight. Um, everything was, was going good. Um, until about two weeks out, I ended up catching COVID. Um, COVID was kind of going around, um, not only in our gym, but just our city in general. And I know it's not really like thought about anymore, but, uh, it, it kind of hit me pretty hard. So, yeah. um, I was unfortunately out and, um, you know, I ended up having to go to like urgent care and, and get some breathing treatments done. Um, so it ended up being a, a bigger deal than, than what we originally thought it was going to be. Um, so, you know, that kind of threw a wrench in, in everything that we had going. I, I was really eager to, to get that last loss kind of wiped away and, and the competition was good. Um, but, you know, everything kind of happens for a reason. And, and what I've really enjoyed these past couple of months is kind of not really worrying about a fight, not really worrying about, you know, uh, the comeback and just focusing on my training, you know, and, and that for me, um, because a lot of people don't know, I'm, I'm still not even a year into my pro career. And so uh, it felt like things for a while were, were really just kind of like back to back to back. And there was this opponent and this weight cut and this and that. And so um, it was good to kind of just have some, some time off and just focus on training and, and remember uh, the love that I had for, for the fight game. You mentioned about, uh, you know, what, what happened for you for COVID. I mean, it, mm. how long did they keep you out of your gym? I mean, you mentioned about the breathing issues you had there. I mean, so, so how long did it keep you out of like kind of being able to do what you want to do inside the gym? Yeah. So, um, I'm going to sound like the CDC is about to come for me, man. Once I say <laughs> what I did, but uh, so I was actually sick. I remember this, like, vividly monday i woke up like feeling absolutely just ran down horrible had a little fever um again i'm two weeks away from my fight i'm like i can't let it stop me you know i'm gonna train so i train uh we had jiu-jitsu practice and some some striking after and when i got home from that training session i just crashed for like pretty much the whole day um so i woke up you know later in that night at this point i'm already having fever and everything uh the next morning i took that day off uh and then tuesday night is again it just kind of like came in in waves um so i would say that tuesday i was out of the gym um i try to go back in on thursday um and of course thursday again was a wrestling practice and it's like the most you know the most uh effort that you got to do are the days i'm trying to come back in um and i couldn't even finish practice man i had to go home um, I felt weak. I was, you know, just everything that, that was going wrong with me. Um, so um, at that point, you know, we started getting in contact with the promoter. But altogether, uh, you know, I was in and out of the gym, even though I wasn't really supposed to be. Um, but I would say about, you know, 10 days, I was just kind of sat down pretty, pretty well. 
You know, you mentioned about, you know, having time to kind of focus on you in, in between fights is, are, are obviously you're still very young in your career. Are you still trying to find that balance of like, okay, here's what I'm doing during training camp versus uh, opposed to, Hey, I don't have a fight book and this is what I'm trying to focus on. Is that, is that kind of a balancing act for you? Uh, it is, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm getting the hang of it now, you know, now that I kind of have an idea of, okay, this is the time frame that I like to be in camp. And, and when this time frame isn't there, then these are things that I want to be, you know, adding to my game. Um, for me, that sweet spot is anywhere between six and eight weeks. I know that's ideal really for, for everyone, but um, it just, it's kind of the right, you know, I know some people do 12 weeks. That's a little too long for me. I've done that, you know, a few times. Um, but that six to eight week mark of being just strictly in camp, focusing on one opponent um, is just kind of what, you know, what we and, and uh, my team and I like to work with. Um, and then outside of that, it kind of gives me some some it relieves some pressure, if you will, because I feel like uh, when I don't have that time frame, you know, I'm, I'm learning new skills. I'm not afraid to maybe, you know, try some new things that I wouldn't do originally. And, and so it, it's finding a good balance between. But, you know. Don't get me wrong. Like I feel, um, you know, because I have taken a few short notice fights. You know, the contender series in a way was was a short notice fight. Like um, even when I'm not in camp, you know, I'm I'm still training as if I have a fight. So yeah. it's it's kind of you know hit or miss with it. But um, like I said, I think the six to eight week mark is more so for like having an opponent, uh, knowing the game plan, and and going in trying to execute a certain game plan throughout the whole training sessions. I mean, you know, talk about that short notice aspect. I mean, is that, is that a case by case basis of, you know, I mean, let me, let's just say it's three, four weeks notice for mm -hmm. you and your team. Is that more of a case by case basis of, of whether or not you take that fight or, or, or do you have that mentality of like, man, I'm, I'm a goddamn fighter, man. This is what I do. If it's, if yeah. it's three weeks notice, I step up and I, and I go to battle. You know, that's that's always been my mentality, you know, and, and luckily my father is kind of my main head coach and, uh, you know, like father, like son. So he has that mentality, too. Um, but we're we're learning now that, you know, we got to be smart. It is a case by case situation, but um, not only being smart with, you know, the fight itself, but kind of not making my body, you know, having to cut weight for me, I'm, I'm a big 185er, you know, so I got to make sure that my, my weight is in, in check and everything kind of crosses, you know, the dots and, and that whole thing. Um, just so that way I can make weight. And, you know, a few times I've taken a few fights and I'm like, ah, oh, I'll just lose the weight. And, uh, it's come back to bite me in the butt. So the weight has something to do with it. Luckily this year I'm working with a nutritionist and, um, you know, we're, we're having things locked in. So that way we don't have to deal with that in case the situation does come, come up but uh you know it's just being smart about everything we're, we're very new to this and and uh uh don't get me wrong if if something does come up again i know the ufc is coming to san antonio and you know i'm expecting to put on a big performance here for my next fight so if something does come up late notice or something like that you know i'll, I'll definitely be in a in the right place to make that decision you know, I've had more of this conversation with a heavyweight fighter of talking about that sweet spot of where you want to be weight wise in, in camp where, you know, you talk to some heavyweight guys and they'll say, you know what? Hey, I feel like my sweet spot where I'm maximizing performance is this weight for you at middleweight. Do you feel like there is a, a sweet spot for you to be in to maximize your performance on fight night? Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And again, that, that has to do with, 
um, making sure you're disciplined, you know, eight to 10 weeks out. And again, it's not being like super strict on everything, but it's just um, not doing some some dumb decisions, I guess you can say, uh, when it comes to, to food. Um, for me, I'm one of these weird in-betweeners, I guess you can call me, because, um, you know, middleweight is, uh, you know, a weight that it does take some work to get to. But at the same time, if, if I go up a weight class, then I'm fighting six, six guys and they're cutting from 245, you know, and, and for me, I, I've never gotten past 225, 230, you know, and again, that's me slacking off. So the, the sweet spot for me is to go into a camp anywhere between 210, 216, 217. Mm-hmm. Um, and then four weeks out, we like to be around like 208, 210. Uh, and then going into fight week, usually less than 204 is, you know, easy for us. So, you know, kind of. Go ahead. And you got this matchup here. Like as we're talking, we're we're just just over a week out from from this matchup. So like, what is next week like for you? Yeah. So um, you know, thank thank uh, everything kind of aligned. You know, I am fighting in my hometown, so that relieves a lot of stress. I'm not having to worry about uh, where I'm going to cut weight or what gym I'm going to use to do my shakeouts. You know, so. Um, the way that I'm treating this fight is kind of just like how I would any other, you know, training session, really. I don't want to think too much about it. Um, I do have a lot of people coming out to support. So that is one thing that I'm, I'm very happy to, uh, you know, to perform in front of people. It's been a while. Um, but for me, you know, I'm not really trying to, to add too much extra pressure, you know, more than I have to. Of course, I'm, I'm cutting back on my output. I'm letting my body recover a little bit, focusing just on the weight. Um, but we won't get, you know, too strict or too serious until maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and then, you know, I'm already in, in fight mode, you know, my mentality is already switched, but come Tuesday, come Wednesday, uh, there's definitely going to be probably a different person walking around. (laughs) So when I say the name Tyler Smith, what, what comes to mind? Uh, you know, to be honest right now, he's just my opponent. You know, I, I, I know, uh, that he's coming off a big win, his last fight. Um, he's a very kind of weird diverse striker if you will he's done some some boxing matches um for some big undercards um he's done some kickboxing matches um but at the same time he was a wrestler you know so he has a wrestling background um it seems like he enjoys to strike and and that's something that i'm you know uh eager to to have and and have an opponent that i'm I'm always going to think someone's going to want to take me down, you know, but um, compared to his last couple of fights, I think he's going to, you know, be willing to trade on the feet a little bit more. Um, he comes out of a decent, you know, a, a well-respected gym uh, out of classic fight team in California. Um, so I think it's it's the right matchup. I think it's a good fight for me to come back after this kind of long period that I've, that I've taken off. Um, and I'm just really excited to get back on the saddle and, and perform. You know, you mentioned about, you know, always kind of having the expectation of someone's going to take you down. I mean, is it is it one of those mentalities of like, you know, I mean, I know we, we hear this cliche of like, hey, you got to be ready for anything that, that can come. But mm-hmm. in a way, sometimes are are you sometimes just surprised if your opponent does not try to engage in the grappling? Um, yeah, I, I would, you know, be pretty confident in saying that um, just because and again, this is this is some things that. Throughout my career, I've, I've known, but really within the past couple of months and this last year of being a professional, I've really kind of like 
understood is, um, you know, people have always told me, man, you, when you hit, you hit hard, you know, and, and, uh, luckily we're in a game where we don't have to stand in front of that. And if you have the, the skill set to not get hit, you have the opportunity to do so, you know? Um, so that is one thing that, uh, you know, is in a way sometimes a little strange if someone doesn't automatically go for these takedowns or, you know, at least try to, uh, engage in that. Um, but at the same time, like, I'm just, I've been so focused on, on evolutionizing as a fighter, you know, trying to become this complete package. I don't want to just be someone who is a striker or someone who just knocks people out. I want to be good everywhere. Um, and these last couple of sessions, you know, that I've been having and the time off that I've had, I, I really feel complete everywhere. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just eager to show that and wherever the fight goes on, on, uh, January 29th, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised. Yeah, I mean, obviously, too, your your uh, three pro wins have uh, uh, coming out in ninety seconds. Like you, you yeah. talk about that power that you have in your hands. Like, is, is there a moment you remember when you were like, "Oh, damn, I, I've mm-hmm. got I've got knockout power." Like, was there was it early on when you got involved in martial arts that you kind of like you're like, "Damn, I've I've got this power that is." I mean, I mean, you hear some guys talk about it, say, "You know, hey, I feel like it's got it's just God given power." This is what I was meant to do. Like, was there that sentimental moment for you? Um, yes and no. You know, I've I've always been a, a bigger guy. I've always um, so I played collegiate football, um, and you know, I feel like a big reason that my power is there is because I've been in the weight room. You know, ever since really I could get into a weight room. You know, to, <laughs> um, so I've always had that football mentality, that aggressive mentality. Um, I did sport karate as a kid, and I do remember like. Um, at certain tournaments, they were like, dude, you busted this kid's nose. And, you know, as a kid, I'm like, I didn't mean to, like, it just, you know, that's the way I'm, I'm throwing. Um, so there, there were little signs, you know, as I was growing up, but, um, I think the confidence that I've gained in myself, because everyone, you know, when you're training with people, it's like, everyone's like good punch, good kick, you know, something like that. But, um, I've really kind of started to, to believe that these past couple of months. And, um, you know, I'm just, I think again, not only being a power puncher, but being precise, being, um, you know, in the right places at the right times, like all of that comes with, you know, a knockout punch. So um, I feel like just on the feet, I'm, I'm very comfortable and I know how to place my shots uh, where they need to go. In terms of goals for Obviously, we all know the goal for what next Sunday is go out there and get the win. We all, we all know that's the goal. But, like, as you think of 2023, I mean, you mentioned about, hey, you know what, mindset, get the win here, be ready for maybe a potentially short notice on, on that San Antonio car. But, like, as you think about what you want to accomplish in 2023, have you set some goals for yourself? Yeah, of course. You know, um, luckily, this is my last fight. Um, not luckily, but – um, this was my last fight on the four fight deal that I'm signed with Fury um, and they ended up re-signing me to another four fight. So um, that in itself is my goal. I want to go 4-0 in, in 2023. Um, hopefully at that third win, maybe, you know, we're either looking at a, a, a short notice call, um, a call up, a contender series call again. Um, if not, then, you know, right now the middleweight belt is vacant for Fury. And I think after that, um, fourth win, that's kind of hard to deny me, you know, yeah. to, to do that. So um, right now it's, it's to get through these four wins. Um, but as a fighter, as a person, I, I want to be ready for, like I said, anything, you know, I know that uh, San Antonio is coming around. I think once 
word gets around on how well I can sell and, and how well uh, I perform on Sunday, it's going to be really hard, um, you know, to not keep me on that short notice watch list. Um, so we'll definitely be ready for that. But even if we don't, you know, my, my mindset is, is to win whoever they put in front of me, you know, I'm especially with my last fight um, that I know that the fight got bounced around a lot. You know, a lot of people didn't really want that matchup, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a fighter. You know, I'm, I'm willing to fight the the tough opponents. I'm willing to fight the people that people don't necessarily want to fight, you know. And obviously, I'm not being dumb or, or stupid about it. But at the same time, um, I embrace the challenge. When someone doesn't want to fight, I, I like that. And, and I find a challenge in it. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to be ready for, for bigger and better opponents uh, moving forward. Like, as you think about that, that matchup last summer, like, and you talk about takeaways. Like, is there a major takeaway for you from that matchup? A hundred percent, man. The the whole experience in itself was was a takeaway. You know, um, everyone can say, "Oh, I'm I'm not going to let the moment get to me," or "I'm not going to let the my opponent's uh, pressure that he brings." You know, kind of. And and everyone can say it until you're actually doing it, and you're like, yeah. "Holy crap, this is a lot." And uh, I tried my best to block it out, but I would be completely lying to you if, if I said it didn't. And that's something that, you know, I have to take on the chin. Like, um, he is obviously a well-credited wrestler. You know, he had all of this hype behind it. And uh, when it came down to it, I, I want to say that I let that get to me a little bit because I've never experienced something like that before. You know, usually on the regional scene, it was vice versa. Like, I was the person coming in with this hype and and you know there's a, a prospect in him and so on and so forth and so it was weird to be like on the flip side of that um and again you know the actual fight itself i mean even though it lasted i don't know a minute or so um there's a lot of takeaways we could take away from that number one is not open up with a jumping front kick and miss you know <laughs> like i'm able to laugh at that now um but it's just, uh, it's just, it's growth, you know, from, I think more than anything from a character standpoint, I've, I've grown a lot and, and fighting is more than just kicks and punches. You know, you gotta be calm. You gotta be, uh, in the right mindset to, to be able to take a fight like that. And, and that's kind of the biggest takeaway that I've, that I've learned. And, um, and I can already feel how, you know, for this next fight I'm preparing and, and there's certain things that maybe have gotten to me before that I'm not really like paying attention to anymore. And, uh, and so that's kind of the biggest takeaway that I've had. You, you, you talking about, you know, maybe not going with that, that route to start that matchup. And, and I know your manager was talking to me about, you know, how you're a big football guy. It just kind of, it made me think about this risk versus reward, which I, I think is something we talk a lot about in combat sports of kind of, you know, you don't want to kind of cross that line where maybe you're getting too aggressive, kind of, make, you know, just knowing how much of a football guy you are, it made me think about like, you know, if you're deep in your own territory, you know, do you throw it in that tight window that may mm -hmm. not be there? You know, like, yeah. so for you, like, how do you balance that of terms of you, you believe an opening is there, but also understanding, man, if, if this opening's not there, I'm potentially putting myself in a bad situation. Yeah. I think, you know, for, for each, first of all, so, uh, I, I joke again, this is this is something that we can laugh about now, but um, I trained with Robert Drysdale like the last three weeks I was out in Vegas and uh, he ended up cornering me. And uh, as we're getting ready to, to walk out, they're doing like everyone's kind of like 
pre-intro, you know, all of your accolades and so on and so forth. And I'm hearing this dude's like 10 minutes of accolades and, and Coach Drysdale's in my ear, like, you know, basically just to, and so he hyped me up, man. I'm like, you know what? He, he made me feel like I was about to run through a brick wall. And uh, and then after we kind of like laughed at it, like, well, that that didn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but again, it's just a matter of being smart, you know, and, and if you ask me what I do that uh, again, 100 percent. No, you know, but at the time, I, I don't think my knowledge, my my skill level, my uh, my my fight IQ was as fully developed. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's only been a couple of months, but um just not letting the moment be so big and, you know, kind of rush to my head. And, and it's, it's, it's a lot different now. So um, I always want to open up with something big and kind of set the tone of how the fight is going to be. Um, but at the same time, man, like it's, it's no more, at least for me and, and my opponents that I'm going to be facing from here on out, everyone is going to capitalize on a mistake, you know? So it's just a matter of, of not making dumb mistakes. And, of course, everyone's going to see us fight here at Fury FC 73 Live with UFC Fight Pass, January the 29th. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know that you can follow you on social media and anything else you want to mention, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Um, you can follow me. I'm most active on Instagram. My Instagram is ZB underscore 58. Um, you can also follow me on Facebook at just my full name. Um, and my Twitter is Z-bo, ZB058. Um, you can follow me there as well. Um, all of my sponsors um, that have been with me, you know, for a while, I, I truly appreciate the support. Um, if you can't make the fight, if you're not local to San Antonio, um, definitely tune in on UFC Fight Pass um, and check us out. And there you have my conversations with Darion Caldwell, Steve Mallory, Chris Gonzalez, Jordan Lugo, Jaylon Bates, and Zach Borrega. Of course, Zach going to be a part of that Fury card. Of course, uh, coming off that loss to Bo Nickel on the Contender Series. Very interesting to see how does he bounce back. And uh, clearly, I, you know, one thing that was probably the most interesting part about that interview is him noting that, hey, you know, they're, the UFC's coming to San Antonio. And essentially, he's saying, he's like, hey, UFC, I can sell you a bunch of tickets. I mean, that that's the reality of what he said there. Uh, going back to those Bellator interviews, I mean, the Darion Caldwell conversation, to me, the, the true takeaway from that is, you know, him kind of reevaluating everything about him. And then also saying he's ready to welcome Patricio Pitbull to the 135-pound division, which uh, very interesting note there. You got to imagine if Darion gets that win, Maybe we're going to hear a little bit more about that from Darren and Caldwell. Then you hear from Steve Mowry. And of course, uh, we all know what happened in his fight last year against Moldowski, but also very interested to hear him talk about how, you know, look, you know, Lent Vassell is one of my best friends and uh, I fight him three times a week, but uh, they're not going to fight uh, in a professional fight. Then you had Chris Gonzalez, a lot of great stuff there, uh, you know, kind of talking about uh, moving past that uh, Usman Nurmagomedov loss and uh, trying to climb these Bellator lightweight rankings. Then you hear the two men, they're going to be fighting each other, the Bantamway prospects, Jornel Lugo and Jaylon Bates. Uh, those, you know, those, those are potential Essentially, two guys that who knows maybe we're going to see those guys fight each other, uh, you know, two maybe three times, and it's really interesting matchmaking. And I remember when Bellator put that fight together, I was like, "Hot damn, man! Hot damn!" That was, uh, you know, that that's a great bantamweight matchup. Looking forward to that Bellator two ninety card. Of course, that's going to be next weekend, February the fourth. There, of course, headlined by Ryan Bader and. 
Fedor Emelianenko, the rematch uh, between those two guys. Also, uh, you got Johnny Eblen defending the middleweight title against Anatoly Tokov. Great matchup there. The opening fight on the main car, Sabah Hamasi versus Bryn Ward. That fight has the makings of being just a hell of a fight. Uh, but overall, I mean, I think you look top to bottom of this Bellator 290 car. I think Bellator has done a tremendous job uh, of what this car is going to be. You know, you look at uh, over on the prelim, some of the guys that, uh, you know, I didn't mention that I spoke to. Uh, Grant Neal versus Carl Brexton. That's a really good matchup there uh, in, in the 205-pound division. Also a good big matchup in the women's flyweight division. Uh, Diana Osavagova taking on Alejandre Lara. That's a, a good matchup there at 125 pounds. Also, uh, Neiman Gracie is on this card as well. Lorenz Larkin is on this card. Absolutely stacked uh, card that Bellator has put together there for Bellator 290. Uh, also, should mention before we get out here on this edition, uh, congrats to Jose Aldo for being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, uh, I saw a tweet, and uh, yeah, I guess I kind of forgot about this in a way. The fact that Anderson Silva still is not in the UFC Hall of Fame, it really does tell you a lot about kind of uh, the the I, w- I would say the politics of the UFC Hall of Fame. There it is very much uh, interesting. Um, you know, we see that uh, go back there uh, all the time. So of course. Uh, uh, coming up on Wednesday, myself and Daniel Galvan, we'll we'll take a look back at UFC 283. Me and him will debate about everything that we saw a part of UFC 283. Also, I'll leave on this note. I'm really interested to hear from from the listeners of, of the show on this one. The next UFC card, the UFC Vegas, so it's at 68, I want to say it is. So that is going to be a prelim start time of 10 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. Pacific time. And then your main car will be 1 a.m. Eastern time, 10 p.m. Pacific time. If you're like me as an East Coast resident, will you stay up to watch that main card? The answer is very simple for me. The answer is no on that scenario. I'll catch the fights the next day, but I'm really interested. If you are an East Coast resident, will you stay up to watch all of those fights. I mean, are you going to stay up till, I mean, what? I mean, Derek Lewis, Spivak are probably going to hit the octagon probably around, you know, 3 a.m., 3.30 a.m. East Coast time. Be interesting kind of hear some from the East Coast uh, listeners of this podcast of whether or not you'll we'll stay up for that one. But uh, that is going to do it for this edition of the Ameriport Podcast. Of course, new episodes come out every Sunday and Wednesday. Sunday, the interview edition, and Wednesday is the midweek edition, where it's myself and Daniel Galvan chopping up about what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Of course, I'm sure Wednesday's show primarily will be about UFC 283. But uh, knowing how this crazy world MMA goes, I'm sure something is going to happen in the next couple of days. So that's going to do it for this edition of the MMA Report Podcast, which comes out on your favorite podcasting platform every Sunday and Wednesday. And all of our video content is available over at the MMA Report YouTube channel. 